Well, welcome uh, to Grace this weekend. It's good to see you guys. We're in this series uh, through Thick and Thin and talking about how good friends are hard to find. And we've been having this conversation for a few weeks. It's built off of uh, what's called a theological construct. It's built off the nature of God that you find in uh, Genesis chapter 2. And one of the things we see in Genesis chapter 2 is that God is a relational God who values, emphasizes, prioritizes relationship. You find that all the way through the Bible. Jesus wraps it up uh, in the New Testament where he says, here's the bottom line, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. I, ca- I cannot love God if I don't love other people and vice versa. And so at the core of our interaction with God is our interaction with each other, and you, you can't spin those things out. You can't separate them. They're, they're tied to each other. So in that theological construct, what we find is that we're created in the image of God, human beings are. And a part of the way that His image shows up in us is our desire for relationships. So we, we want to fall in love with each other. We want to uh, get married, you know, have a husband and wife. We, we, we want uh, to connect with our families, and we want friendships. We need them. If that part of our life is missing, we would feel that very deeply and feel incomplete and unhealthy as a person. And that's not a social pressure. That's not a cultural thing. That's a God thing. That's the image of God. Uh, Being like Him in that way draws us and causes us to pursue each other. So we've been looking at that, and we said, uh, let's just talk about friendships. We talked about the layers of friendships. So we said there's circumstantial friends, there's seasonal friends, like my college buddies, right? There's lifelong friends. We, we continue to get along. If we ever lived beside each other again, we probably would be close. There's destructive friends, and then there's friends that become family, and that's the layer we're going to talk about this weekend. Friends that become family, what does that mean? What's it like? The Bible says it's a friend that's closer than a brother. And I want to show you what, what it takes to build that kind of relationship. I want to show you the things that you should identify and pursue uh, to, to have that because that's the layer of friendship. That's what we really, really want. And when we think about friends and we think about kind of the, the ideal circumstances of what a friendship is, we're thinking about friends that become closer than a family. So we're going to talk about this this, this weekend. Uh, next weekend, we're going to talk about the deepest layer of friendship, and that's going to be a fun and fascinating conversation. So there's one more, uh, and it'll blow your mind a little bit, but let's zero in on this one. How do you create deep friendships? What's it like for a friend that becomes family? So in order to show you this and, and draw the principles out of Scripture, what I want us to do is I want us to look at a relationship like this in the Bible. So we're going to look at a friendship, and we're going to kind of see it play out over time. We're going to move through many chapters of Scripture this, this weekend. I'm going to hit the highlights on it. In fact, one of the things I really, really encourage you to do is to go back and read every word of the kind of the ground we're going to cover, because there's a lot there. There's a lot of richness there I want you to get a hold of. But I want to show you this friendship I want you to see the elements that bond this friendship together, and then we'll start to be able to identify and know what we should pursue as well. So one of the most, uh, probably the most famous friendship in Scripture is a friendship between David and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, and we're going to look at their relationship a little bit this weekend. Let me tee this up for you a little bit. Who is David and Jonathan? So David, David would be the David of David and Goliath fame. 
if you know that story. Everybody who's ever played JV football knows about David and Goliath. David and the giant pickle, anyone? Right, same guy, right? So David, that David killed the giant, right? David was a shepherd boy, was a teenager when all of this uh, started. David shows up to a battlefield. There's a guy there named King Saul. He's the king of Israel. He's being shouted down by this giant named Goliath. David gets five smooth stones, nails him in the head, cuts his head off, end of Goliath saves the country, okay? So King Saul, it's his fight. He wouldn't do it. David did it for him. Jonathan is King Saul's son, all right? So Jonathan is the firstborn. He's the prince of Israel. Saul is the king of Israel. Jonathan is the prince of Israel. And that's how David and Jonathan meet. They, they meet at the battle uh, between David and Goliath, and their friendship is kind of sparked right after that and then continues on from there. So let me, let me show you this. Grab your Bibles. If you've got them, go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. That's where we'll first meet uh, Jonathan and where David and Jonathan first meet. 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, there's somewhere in the chairs. It's page 198 in those Bibles. And if you, want, uh, if you don't have a Bible or need a, or want a newer one, please just take one of those with you. We'd love for you to keep it. And if you want to use your phone, uh, use the app. That's the best way, the Grace Church app. Hit live and the verses and the notes and everything will be right there. Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 18, uh, verse 1. Let me show you this. We're talking about characteristics of a deep friendship or how to build one. Here's the first, here's the first thing and then we'll learn about it. Right, first thing is this, you start deep friendships with an unwavering commitment to each other. You start them with an unwavering commitment to each other. Verse 1, chapter 18, 1 Samuel, David and Jonathan. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan's dad, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his family, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing, gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Okay, so we have to, we have to time warp back into the ancient Middle East, right, to, to understand all of this. David and Goliath fight. Jonathan and David are friends. The king then looks at David and says, man, you just saved the country. You just blessed the household of Saul or the royal family. So what I'm going to do is you're not going home. And when you're king, you can do whatever you want. So Saul says, you're not going home. You're moving into the palace is the way that we would think of it. You're moving in with my household. And that was an honor. It was a blessing. It was an opportunity for David, okay? David and Jonathan then become friends. They're one in spirit. They love each other. And Jonathan and David make a covenant to be committed to each other. And Jonathan seals that covenant, gives him his robe, his tunic, his bow, his sword, his belt. That, that's an ancient Middle Eastern custom of saying, we, we are locked together. We are friends, and you're kind of stuck with me. We're friends for life. What, what David was, and Jonathan were saying is this. Jonathan, when he did all that, he said, I'm, we're, we're intertwining our lives so as my life goes, your life goes. As your life goes, my life goes. There's a covenant. We are going to move through life together, and we're deciding 
that that relationship is not going to break down. Now, that's, that's a big deal. We, we've said a lot throughout this series, deep friendships are not discovered, they're created. They're, they're not discovered, they're created. Circumstantial friendships are discovered, right? Oh, we both like Ohio State, right? So it's, it's great. They're, they're, by the way, that's a, that's a Christ-centered thing as well. So we, we both like, right? So that's discovered. Deep friendships, so you have to invest in them. You have to work at them. And so this is the two of them saying, we are going to work at this, and we're going to build this relationship. We're making a covenant together. Now, that's a big deal. These guys have a lot in common, right? So they're both warriors. Both of them are the Navy SEALs of the day. And Israel, by the way, is fighting for its existence here. So David and Jonathan literally have shed blood together, and they have kind of that that soldier's bond that only soldiers know, right? So they, they have that. They live in the same palace, the same complex. So they live in the same fraternity house, right? So they're, they're able to interact kind of freely when they want to. Later on, they become family. Uh, uh, David marries Jonathan's sister, and so they become brother-in-laws, right? But you, you, so you have all this circumstantial stuff, seasonal stuff, but a commitment locks in, and the commitment is the first step to creating the deep friendship. I'm locking in. I'm sharing my life with you. And that's what Jonathan does with David. He looks at David and says, listen, dude, uh, you're stuck with me. And everything I have is going to be yours. We're erasing the lines of, of family, non-family. And just like I would bless my son or my nephew or whatever, you are now in that circle, right? Now, that was a big deal. Remember, Jonathan is a prince of Israel. David's a shepherd, right? So, so Jonathan was saying, David, my, my wealth is going to bless you. My power is going to bless you. My, my connections, my opportunity is going to, to bless you. The lines are erased, and what I have is yours, and my life is tied to your life, and we're going to follow this path and this pattern together because we have decided to because we have made a covenant that we're going to do that with each other. And this is a sign of deep friendship. And deep friendship, there is no imposing, right? And deep friendship, there is no inconveniencing. And deep friendship, there is no obligation. There is no payback. You know, don't forget I loaned you two bucks, you owe me. That, that record keeping is gone. That's very true of circumstantial friendships, right? Which are real friendships, it's just the layer that they're at. But in deep friendships, it's more of the give and the take of family. It's the desire to bless. It's the commitment that we're going to be together. And every deep friendship starts that way. It crosses a line, and there's a decision that's made, and there's a covenant or a bond that we're going to, we're going to go through life together. As your life goes, my life goes. As my life goes, your life goes. I uh, can bless when I bless. I'll be there for you in the hardest times. We're going to be committed to that right? Now, that commitment in every deep friendship is always going to wind up being tested somehow. So, that commitment ultimately is going to be forged through sacrifice, and that's the second way that you, kind of step you take in creating a deep friendship. The commitment is going to be forged or tested or proven through sacrifice, and that's what happens here with David and Jonathan, their, their friendship gets very complicated very quickly because of Jonathan's dad. 
Jonathan's dad was not the most stable human being ever, and he was an ancient king. And what happened was that as David's popularity rises, so David kills Goliath, and then David has a bunch of other military victories, the, <coughs> the people start getting excited about David. So they would sing this little song, Saul's killed thousands, but David's killed tens of thousands. And Saul's watching this happen, and he's watching David's influence grow and his, his power grow, his ability. And Saul starts to get paranoid that David's going to overthrow his throne and take charge. So in this paranoia, he, he picks up this obsession to kill David, to eliminate this rivalry, right? And, and you start to see that play out in the Scriptures. That obsession to kill David, eliminate this rivalry creates the necessity for Jonathan to be willing to sacrifice to this commitment that he's made to his friend. And you see that playing out in chapter 19 of 1 Samuel. Look at verse 1 there. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David, uh, but Jonathan um, had taken a great liking to David, and he warned him, my father is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard uh, tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out <coughs> and stand with you and stand with my father in the field where you are, <clears throat> and I will speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. So Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He's not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life into his hands when he killed the Philistine. That The Lord won a great victory for all of, e of Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So, Dave, so Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. So Jonathan says, uh, listen, my dad is out to get you, man. I'm going to intervene for you. We've made this commitment. You are my friend through thick and thin. This is the turn that your life has taken. I'm right there with you. And I'm going to step in and intervene for you. Now, to understand all that just happened there in Scripture, we, we again, we have to time warp back to the ancient near Middle East. And you have to understand that what Jonathan did in talking to his dad is he literally risked his life to do that. So in the ancient Near East, in fact, oftentimes to the ancient world, to be the oldest son of the king could be good news or bad news. It just kind of depended on what mood your dad was in because the kings were all powerful. And oftentimes a king would look at their older son and view them as a threat to their power. So if you were the oldest son, especially if you were close in age with your father, like Jonathan would have been, we know that because they fought together. Like if, if your dad thought that you might betray him or overthrow him, he just lop your head off, right? That happened in, in uh, the Old Testament, happened with Herod, happened all the way up into the Romans. The Caesars would kill their sons all the time. I, I warn my own sons of this, right? I'm like, I, I will lop your head off, right? So, it, it's a, so when Jonathan goes out, he's talking to his dad, but he's talking to his king, and he's intervening with his king on behalf of a stated enemy of his king. If Saul reads that wrong, Jonathan's a dead man, and Jonathan knows that. It's his commitment to David that would cause him to intervene. He sacrificed, he risked, 
and it forged, it defined, it proved, so to say, the commitment that he had made to David. And that is a, that is a symptom or a sign of a deep friendship. In a deep friendship, there's a willingness to mutually sacrifice for each other. It's the idea that I will give to you. I will, I will suffer long with you. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, long suffering. I'll do that for you. I will tell you good news and bad news about yourself. I'll incur your wrath, right? I'll sacrifice for that. I'll make time. I'll make an investment. I'll be present. I, I'll give you the shirt off of my back. I will make <clears throat> a sacrifice for you. I will stand with you and for you and pay a cost for you because we have this relationship and this commitment to each other, right? It's, it's how you create it. It's a symptom <clears throat> that you have a real and deep friendship. Now, guys, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. In, in our lives, it's not hard at all to find people who will receive things from you, right? That's not hard at all. Uh, there, it's not hard at all to network, and I got a buddy, and this buddy will hook me up. And you know what? If you can get me in this door, I'll get you in that door. And that tends to be what defines most of our relationships. It, it's, it's circumstantial friendships. It's what it is. It's fine. It doesn't mean that it's all evil or bad, but it's what it is. And when you have friends, and then they lose the ability to deliver for you, or you lose the ability to deliver for them, that's when that friendship is proven or tested, when, when, when you're not the big hitter at work anymore, where are those work friends? When you don't have the money that you used to have, where are those friends that were always at the house? When you can't deliver, it is not hard at all to find people who will take from you. It is extremely rare to find people who will take a hit for you. A true friend who will stand up and sacrifice, who, who will be misunderstood who will be labeled incorrectly because they won't leave your side. One who will defend your heart and defend your mind and defend your intention and go out and risk their neck with the king. So David and Jonathan made a covenant, and then Jonathan proved it. He literally put his life on the line, and he looked at his friend and said, no, 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 I, I got to intervene here because the friendship, is so deep. It's, it's family. It's friends that become family. It's crossed the line, and I have to be there for my friend. Now, the narrative moves on then. So, this commitment is proven through sacrifice. Saul makes this oath to Jonathan, his own son, but he doesn't keep it. And he goes on with this obsession. He tries to spear David. He hunts him down. I mean, it's just a disaster, right? Just dysfunction. And by the way, David's now married to Saul's daughter, so you think your father-in-law's nuts? I'm just saying, like, he, this is nuts, right? And he's literally taking his armies, and he's hunting David and his men down, and this process keeps going on. And what happens then is you see the, the friendship of David and Jonathan. There's a commitment, there's a sacrifice, and then you see the commitment proved by sacrifice leads to loyalty. And you see the depth of their loyalty to each other, and that's a mark of true friendships. Deep friendships are marked by loyalty. Look at chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, and you'll see a couple of these displays of loyalty come out. Verse 1, David fled 
and, and went to Jonathan. He's running for his life, David is, and he says to Jonathan, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied, you're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there's only a step between me and death. And Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, (coughs) whatever you want me to do, I will do (coughs) for you. You see this enormous act of loyalty here on Jonathan's part, where Jonathan looks, David comes to Jonathan, he says, dude, what is the deal with your dad? Why is he trying to kill me? Jonathan says, he's not trying to kill you. I would know about it. And David says, no, you don't, Jonathan. Your dad knows the depth of our friendship. He's hiding it from you. I'm telling you, I'm one step to death. And Jonathan, what he does, ready? A friend that has become family a friend that has become family that has substituted for the unhealthy biological relationship. Jonathan's loyalty goes to David because the family he was born into has broken down on such deep levels. And Jonathan says to David, tell me what you need me to do. Just tell me what you need me to do because I will do it for you. That is the depth of our friendship. You see, Jonathan, or David then later on, uh, just down a couple verses, go to verse 13, he, he kind of returns the favor. You see him display the loyalty back. Verse 13, Jonathan says, but if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I have lived so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. David and Jonathan, Jonathan says, listen, I'm going to do everything I can to protect you, but I need you to do everything you can to protect me. I mean, this is huge. This is the house of David being at odds with the house of Saul, right? This is the verge of a civil war. Will you protect my family as well? And so they reaffirm this oath and this loyalty to each other. We've been committed to each other. Man, we made that decision that we're going to be friends, and we we don't just get along. We've decided it's going to be deeper. That commitment has been proven through sacrifice, right? And by the way, that's a mutual sacrifice. And now it has resulted in loyalty. And Jonathan did everything he could to protect David. And by the way, David did everything he could to honor his oath to Jonathan. There was two different times that David could have killed Saul, and he didn't because he wanted to honor God because he was honoring this oath. One time he was so close to him that he snuck up to him, and he, he cut the corner of his robe off. And he held it up to Saul, and he said, look, I could have killed you. I didn't. I'm not trying to kill you, right? And he honored this oath and kept this commitment. Deep friendships are marked by loyalty, and that loyalty is deeper than we get along and we kind of like each other. That loyalty is looking at each other and saying, I'm going to stand with you regardless of the cost. I'm, I'm, I've got your back. We're shoulder to shoulder, because we're friends, right? Now, let me, um, let me caveat this for a second. 
when you look at that loyalty between David and Jonathan, that loyalty is rooted in godliness. So this is not, I'll take the rap for you, man. This is not, don't worry, I'll, you know, I'll make sure your wife doesn't find out. That's, a, that's actually marks of a destructive friendship. This loyalty is rooted in godliness. We're honoring God. We're protecting each other. We're protecting each other's families. And that's a, that's a hugely important distinction. So this isn't, I'm not ratting the gang out kind of a thing. This is, no, I'm, I'm with you through thick and thin because we've made a commitment. It's been tested and I want to honor that, and deep friendships do that. There's a bond, there's a loyalty, there's a defense, there's a certainty, there's a trust, right? And you lock on to it. Jason, in the video, said, you know, when I, he said, when I was sick, I talked to Jeff about my family. What, for time, that whole story's not there. Jason was, was dying at the time. And so that conversation was in the ICU, and he looked at me and said, I need to know that you will watch over my children. And I, I look at my friend and say, well, of course I will. Your children are my children, right? They, they, they are my family. Um, I, I will give everything. And I know that that's returned. If something happened to me, I'm, I'm fully confident that Jason would step in and watch over my children. There's a loyalty and no matter what the cost or the price tag of that loyalty is, the friendship is going to necessitate it. Now, this is cool. That it's the loyalty that's reflected when Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm in, right? If you're in, I'm in. And it's that showing up in a human relationship. It's the image of God reflecting through us. The story goes on, it's fascinating, lots of twists and turns, and then the story comes to a tragic ending in 2 Samuel chapter 1. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. In the ancient world, kings would always lead their armies into battle, and so they're overrun in this battle. The king is killed, the prince is killed. And David learns about this, and in 2 Samuel chapter 1, David writes what's called a, a lament or a song. We would call it a eulogy uh, today. But it's fascinating when you read David's lament of Saul and then also his lament of Jonathan. Let me show you the one of Jonathan, verse 25, chapter 1, 2 Samuel. David says this, <clears throat> he said, "'How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights.'" I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war have perished. You hear David saying, I, I, I'm grieving that my brother has died. This friend that has become family, your love for me was wonderful. It was more wonderful to me than all of these thousands of women that fawned over me that the Bible talks about were happening with David. Your, your relationship is the one that I cared about the most. This is the last characteristic because I want to show you it's an important one. It's this. Deep friendships express love for each other. Deep friends express love for each other. Let's talk about this here for a minute. Deep friends express love for each other. One of the things that marks Jonathan's and David's relationship is they would express their love for each other. They became one in spirit. I love you more than I love myself. 
you know, I love you, my brother has fallen, your love meant so much to me. They were expressive in their love for each other. This is an element of deep friendship that today in, in our culture is very difficult for us, especially for men. So fellas, tune me in here for a minute. This is what happens. Our culture is so messed up in part because our culture is hypersexualized. So in a hypersexualized culture, we're exposed to sexual things way before we're ready to deal with it, right? Uh, so the average boy will view pornography for the first time when he's nine. Well, that messes us up. We're not created for that. We're not ready for that. We're, we can't process that. So what happens is because we're messed up, we sexualize everything. And, and the result of that is that whenever we have feelings or thoughts of affection or intimacy, we sexualize those thoughts. And we're taught to do that. Do you like her? Yeah, I like her a lot. Have you slept with her yet? Do you love her? I totally love her. Well, you guys living together then? Right? We're, we're taught to sexualize our emotions. And so in the confusion, everything that is affectionate or intimate is sexualized. Now, the, the result of that kind of tragically is this. Because all of our affections and everything intimate with us is sexualized, our defense of that, because especially for us fellows, that feels really, really weird, especially with other men. It, it, it feels awkward. So the result of that is we never, we never express our affections. So we'll, we'll shut it down instead of waiting through the confusion. And in doing that and not expressing our affections for each other, we rob each other of something that we need very, very deeply in our lives. I need to know that I'm loved by my friends. I, I need to know that they have affection for me. It's what reassures me of my commitment. It's what reinforces sacrifice, and it's what speaks or bonds loyalty. So when you pull affection out of that, when you pull the, pull the ability to express affection to each other, all those other things start, start to waver, right? So we need those things in our life. So God calls us to draw toward each other, and then we reinforce that with expressing appropriate affection to each other. Now, with friends that become family, this is incredibly important. Because with friends that become family, especially if it's a substitute for family, then your friend is the only place that that healthy affection is going to come from. I have a, a great friend, uh, Bill, Bill and Elaine. They're dear, dear friends of Heidi and I. Bill is like a brother to me. Uh, we're longtime friends, deeply committed to each other. And Bill, Bill grew up in the ghettos of Chicago, literally. Bill is a miracle on every level of the world. And so he's got that background, grew up in a dysfunction junction. Most of his family has passed away. The one, even when they were alive, the, the relationships were horrific. So Bill and I become friends, bonded friends. So Bill would look at me and say, Jeff, you are my only family. You and Heidi are my only family. Uh, you are my brother, right? If something happens to me, I got to know that you're going to raise my kids, like all those things, right? And Heidi and I would reciprocate that. Yep, Bill, we, I love you. Are, I, I have a great brother. I'm close with my brother. You're a supplement. You're another brother to me, right? And yes, I will do those things for my family. Well, here's Bill with a deep friend. He has no family. Listen, if I am unwilling to express affection to my friend, where's he going to get it from? 
if I, if I can't get through the cultural confusion and tension of being affectionate with a man, if I can't look at my friend and say, man, I love you, I am proud of you, you are an amazing father, you're an incredible husband, I am proud to be your friend, you're an elder in your church, you, I can't, I'm so proud of who you've become. If I can't give that to Bill, he will never have that in his life. Now, you might say, well, what about his wife? It's different, isn't it, fellas? It's different when it comes from your buddy. It just is, right? Love your wives. It's just different. It's a different need. And this is true of women also. So in this, we have to break through some of these barriers. And if we're going to have deep friendships, remember, they're created. They're not discovered. So I'm committed, locked in stone, right? I can do it. A sacrifice, I'll take the hit. Loyalty, me and you. Affection, I don't know. We have to break through that barrier and express our hearts to each other. And you got you to do it in the way that you do it, right? So give your buddy a hug. Some of you aren't huggers. That's fine. Tell them you love them. Some of you aren't talkers. That's fine. Write it down. Some of you don't write. That's fine. Buy the wings and the beer. I don't know what's right. Figure out a way that you are looking at your friend and you are expressing in a clear way, I love you, I'm here for you, man. Right? We have to do that for each other because we're not created to have those voids in our life. We'll be missing something if we don't do that. All right? All right, so deep friendships. Deep friendship, Dave and Jonathan, the deepest of friendships, and God did incredible things through it, and we can see those characteristics that we need in our own lives. Now, guys, when I think about it, I just think, it's, I think this is huge. I've, I told you a little bit throughout this series, friendship is a very big deal to me, a very big deal. Not popularity. I don't really care about popularity. If, you, if you've known me for a while, you know that. I don't really care if you like me or not, but, but deep friendships are very, very important to me. And I, I look back at my life and I realize in order to be who God has called me to be, I need an amazing wife, and I have one in Heidi. I need a wonderful family, and God has granted me that as well. And I need deep friendships. And I look back on those friendships, and I realize, man, th those friendships have sustained me. Those friendships have corrected me. People who can, only those people can say what the things that they've said to me, because I trust them and what they're doing. Those friendships have given me courage, right? It's one thing to walk into a fight by yourself. If you got to do it, you got to do it. But man, to go in with some buddies, it's a whole different thing. Those friendships have given me vision. Those friendships have given me affirmation, right? And I have some very deep friendships that I've invested in. Heidi and I have invested in in a very deep way. And I would look back and say, man, I'm so grateful. I, I, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. And I'm doing what God is calling me to do. And these friends, these Christ-centered friendships are driving this forward. And I look back, I kind of reverse engineer it a little bit. I look back, I think, man, you pull those people out of my life, I don't, I don't know. I said that on the video to Jason, like, I don't know if I'm in ministry without Jason and 
many other names I could plug and play because I need it. And so do you. And it's, it's not because I'm needy. I don't need to be popular. I don't really care. It's because I'm created in the image of God. See, that's why you need it too. We need that level of relationship because it, it's God. It's us being like God in that way, created in the image of God that draws us to each other, that meets those needs in each other, and that, that God then empowers and uses in amazing ways. All right now, I want you to chew on this a little bit, so let me ask you some questions that you can kind of process here and, and think this through. Here's the first one. This is the di- most difficult one, right? So hang with me. When you think about deep friendships, if you don't have deep friendships, you should really try to figure out why. Because I would, I would submit that's not natural. You're not created that way. So if I don't have deep friendships, why don't I have deep friendships? And I would, I would say this to you, that there's probably something in your life somewhere that has broken down your ability to open yourself up and to connect with someone on that level. Because these friendships are created, they're not discovered. So circumstantial friends, they're, they're easy. If everybody's got circumstantial friends, right? Which is great. Deep friendships, their work. And usually when we don't have any deep friendships, it's because somewhere we have pulled ourselves back and said, I can't trust further than this. I can't go past this point. Someone has betrayed me. Someone has hurt me. Something's broken down in my life, and so I'm not going to let anybody else any closer than, than where I'm at. Understanding what that break is is huge because that break is the same thing that keeps you from being close to your spouse and the same thing that keeps you from being close to God. It's all connected, all the same thing. So looking and saying, if I don't have friends, deep friends, why, why is that? What's going on in my life that I would govern, put a governor on that and not let it go further? It's a, it's a big question. And as you find that and let God heal it and change it, it'll open up all kinds of powerful things in your life. So if you don't have deep friends, why don't you have deep friends? Here's the second question. Circumstantial friends are easy and our culture is built to give ourselves to them. Okay? So your friends on Twitter and Snapchat and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, those are circumstantial friends. By the way, it's fine. I'm, don't hear me wrong. They're real friendships. It's just at a certain level. But because our culture is built to so easily access certain circumstantial friends, we will give ourselves to that instead of giving ourselves to the deepest level of relationships, right? So if we're on our phone, we're never in conversation and you know you're struggling with that when I said phone and you looked up from yours real quick, right? So if we're on our phone all the time, I have no problem with the phones. I love mine too, right? But we will do that to the detriment. So we have to look at our relationships and we have to say, wait a second, am I giving the time and the space? If I'm not investing time, if I'm not investing energy, if I'm not spending relational capital, I'm never going to have a deep friend. It's what it takes to create it. So am I in that balance? Am I doing that in a healthy way? Here's the last thing. Ready? These deep friendships, you take all these levels that we just talked about and pull Christ out, and these probably become destructive relationships. 
they must be centered on Christ. You pull Christ out, and now I'd rather be with my buddy than my wife. You pull Christ out, and now I'm taking the rap. That's what loyalty means, right? You pull Christ out, and they, become, they probably become destructive. Are your friendships centered on Christ, and can they be more deeply centered on Christ? That's, that's what you have to see in David and Jonathan. When you read the rest of the story and all the details, what you'll see is two guys who ultimately were trying to honor God. We would say honor Christ now, right? Are your friendships Christ-centered? Are you, are you better at serving and pursuing and pursuing the calling of Christ because this person is your life? And if that's not a characteristic, how can you make that become one? How do you deepen it even more, right, by making it Christ-centered? I encourage you to wrestle with that, chew on it. All right, I'm going to ask the band to come, and, and they're, they'll, they're going to create some space for us, right? Just a little bit of quiet moments to thank and to pray. If you're not sure what to pray, uh, the words of this first song are great. You can use that as a prayer, right? And, and think that stuff through and give God that latitude. If you're a follower of Jesus, then ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind these barriers and answer these questions and uh, let God walk you through this process of deepening your relationships. Jesus, help us. We love you. God, thank you that in all of this, you are reflected. It's your likeness in us. And so, God, help us to embrace it. This is, this is not a conversation for kids. It's a conversation about who you are and who you've called us to be. And so, God, let us give it the validity and the weight and the depth in our lives that you would want it to be. Even in these few moments, God, quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, draw us into relationship and thought with you, and change us into who you want us to be. We love you in your name, Jesus. Amen.